We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Happy Monday, Pacer Nation. Welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast, Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. On today's show, I'm going to be going solo here. I know Michael J. Flachi, but wanted to do a little recap of just this in-season tournament run for the Pacers. We're going to look at three things that I've learned from the Pacers run to the in-season tournament championship. And I'm just going to kind of break it down because I feel like we saw a glimpse of what this Pacers team could be when they're at their best, but we also kind of saw how things can be when they're they're not exactly all the way there. So we're excited about where the Pacers are heading, but they definitely have to improve this roster. And so let's get into three things that we learned. So number one, one thing that I learned about this Pacers team is that they can compete with the best of the best on any given night. It started off with Cleveland. They were on the road. They ended up winning that game. And then they come back and play them for the first in-season tournament game. Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Donovan Mitchell, they come back. And the Pacers still take care of business. I thought that was a game they could possibly lose because they had just previously beat them the Saturday before on the road and thought that Cleveland would, you know, be a little bit sharper, you know, want that revenge game, right? But no, the Pacers took care of business. And then they go on the road and play Philly in back-to-back games. Now, the first game was not part of the in-season tournament, but the second was. And the Pacers were able to make adjustments and find a way to win. And it was different guys stepping up at different moments. And a lot of you guys remember Miles Turner was, Really bad the first three quarters, but that fourth quarter when he came in that game, he was huge for the Pacers, and Tyrese Halliburton hit the dagger three. It was awesome to see. So the Pacers win that one, 132-126, to 126, and now they go 2-0 and in in-season tournament play. Then you fast forward to the game against the Atlanta Hawks a week later, and the Indiana Pacers were getting killed at the half. They, they gave up like 80-some points, 86 points I think it was. They were down like 86-73 to Atlanta. And you're thinking, my God, this defense couldn't stop a nosebleed 
But thankfully, they were able to come back and put on a show in the third quarter. Another Tyrese Halliburton third quarter takeover, as you guys have noted, that I do that in my articles because he's done so many. He had 26 points in that quarter and just put the Pacers on his back. Buddy Hield went nuts in that game and hit dagger three after dagger three in the fourth. And the Pacers win that one 157, setting a franchise record for the most points scored in a game to 152. I mean, it was just incredible to watch. And then we got a great Quinn Buckner video at the end of it, which was really cool to see just how much excitement we saw from this Pacers team to win this game on the road after being down. I thought we're probably going to lose this game just because of the way the scoring was going, but the Pacers, they just showed, okay, we can really put it on the Hawks offensively because we have what it takes to score against them. And the Pacers and the Hawks both just pretty much abandoned their defense in that game too. So it was really cool to see. And then obviously they come home, they play the Pistons. That was on, on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. The Pacers did their uh, traditional playing after the the downtown, the circle. The, the lights were lit up there. I forget what they call that. But just a great opportunity for the Pacers to kind of get back and, and kind of close things out and, and clinch a spot in the playoffs. And they win 136-113, to 113 and they kind of had to run the score up there at the end of the game, too. So, they didn't, they didn't really like that. I could kind of tell Rick Carlisle wasn't a fan of that, and he didn't really publicly say it too many times. But uh, the point differential thing was a little bit different, and the Pacers were able to take care of business. But the, but the Pistons, I mean, they're a team that's lost 19 games in a row as I'm recording this. So they're a team that was really hungry for a win. I think they had had three days off in a row. I know pregame Jeremiah Johnson actually asked Monty Williams about having three days off to prepare for this game. And could the rest be good or bad? And we kind of saw how it was bad for the Pacers when they had five days off before they played the Magic after beating Philly in that in-season tournament game. And, and Monty Williams said, you guys in the media just like to make up your own narratives. It doesn't bother us. So, well, obviously 19 losses in a row, there's something going wrong with uh, Detroit. So I don't think it's just a media narrative there. But the Pacers being able to take care of business against Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Killian Hayes, Jalen Dern, you know, that young Pistons team. I mean, they were expected to win and they did it. And they did it. Fashionably, we saw Bruce Brown get up for a big dunk. It was just a lot of solid play all around. And then you get into the toughest part of the in-season tournament. You have to face the Boston Celtics, who won their group. They were the three seed. The Pacers won their group. They were the two seed. And Milwaukee won their group. They were the one seed. But the Pacers drew Boston, a team that beat them by 51, 54 points, whatever it was, back in early November. And the Pacers were just like, okay, this is going to be a tough matchup for us. And, and obviously no Kristaps Porzingis for the Celtics made it beneficial for the Pacers. Don't get me wrong, but the way Indiana was able to come back after being down 55 to 48 at half and really have another Tyrese Halliburton third quarter takeover was huge. And then Tyrese hit another big shot in that fourth quarter, hit the four point play. You got the Buddy Hill three after that. And then you got the Neesmith dunk. They go on that 9-0 run. It's going to be one of those things that always lives in the back of your mind because Jason Tatum was able to get to the rim at will. Jalen Brown had a really good game. And I think that was the, maybe the second time ever that when Jalen and Jason had scored 30 points uh, each in a game that they had lost. So it, it was just like the paces were on this special run. And I, I thought to myself, okay, if they can beat Boston, just get to Vegas, just make the, make the Pacer nation proud. That'd be awesome. But that arena was rocking on that Monday night. And I, and I feel like Pacer Nation really showed out and helped lift the Pacers to that victory. But Miles Turner was really good at the beginning of that game. Bruce Brown was really good. Obi Toppin had some nice moments. 
it was just a, a collective effort. Obviously, Aaron Neesmith within the fourth quarter with Tyrese, but he shot the ball well. Matherin had some good plays. I mean, it was just electric in that building. And I think that if the Pacers make the playoffs, which I expect them to this year, that arena, that field house, rocking. I mean, with Tyrese Halliburton at the point guard, like you, you got to feel pretty confident about that. And then they go to Vegas. They got the 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game, 2 o'clock in Vegas. Obviously not a primetime spot to be in. But it's still, you're playing on national TV. Everyone's talking about you. These games are big. And I thought it was just great how the Pacers were able to attack Milwaukee. Look, Milwaukee was a team that came in here to Indiana, and Giannis dropped 54 points on them in a non-in-season tournament game. And the Pacers were able to withstand that offensive punch from Giannis and win that game, close it out, thanks to Tyrese Halliburton, obviously. Ben Matherin was huge in that game offensively and defensively. Had a big steal and a big block on Giannis in the final three minutes of the game. But, yeah, you just thought, okay, they've got Dane back in the lineup. Chris Middleton's minutes aren't as restricted as they were. How are we going to win this game? Well, you found a way to win because you were able to attack Brooke Lopez over and over and over again. The Pacers led by 12 points at the half. Milwaukee came out and erased that. Erased that 12-point lead and had a four-point lead, 76-72, about halfway through the third quarter. I mean, that was nothing for Milwaukee. I mean, Dame Lillard got hot, and they just erased a 12-point lead in like five minutes. Pacers put Andrew Nimhart in, and for 12 minutes straight that Nimhart played, when Dame Lillard was out on the floor, he didn't score another basket. He ended up having, I think, four points from you know two, set of, uh, two uh, sets of free throw attempts and free throw shots. But no, I, I thought this was a really great, performance from the Pacers all around. You saw their veteran step up. Miles Turner had a monster game against the Bucs. I mean, he really was just playing with so much force and confidence. I just, I was blown away by how well everybody played in that game. TJ McConnell was a huge spark in that second quarter with the bench unit. Isaiah Jackson got some good minutes in there as well. Um, it, it was just a really solid game. And so that's what got them to the championship. They were able to beat the upper echelon teams of the Eastern Conference then they ran into a Lakers team that was just too much for them. And we talked about that on the last podcast. Like the Lakers size, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, where the Pacers played defense. They're, you know, being without Nimhard, being without Jalen Smith, you know, you losing two good defenders, especially another guy in the interior like Jalen Smith that could have helped against a guy like Anthony Davis. It just made things a little bit different. So the Pacers weren't at full strength for that game. And, and, the, and they were right in there. I mean, they cut the lead down to three, two different times. In that fourth quarter, just couldn't get over the hump. So had they been fully healthy, could they have made a run for it? Potentially. I think there's a good chance of that. They hit their open shots. I mean, that was what it really came down to. I mean, Miles, Buddy, and Bruce, really the guys you wanted to step up didn't do it. But they were in that game until the Lakers, I think, went on like a 13-0 run to kind of close things out in the fourth quarter. But that just showed me that, okay, on any given night, the Pacers can beat the best of the best. And and in this, we saw some games in between where, yeah, this is kind of like a regular season thing. We we saw them lose to like Charlotte, Chicago. We've talked about all those losses, Portland. But no, I think that the in-season tournament, it showed that the Pacers can get up for big games and that the national media had to talk about them because they were able to get up for those big games and compete at the highest level. So that to me is the number one thing that I learned from this Pacers team in this uh, in-season tournament championship run, or excuse me, yeah, run to the in-season tur uh, tournament championship. But I want to talk about Tyrese Halliburton. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, everybody's been doing it. Every single person that you listen to on national radio, on ESPN, on Fox Sports, on NBA TV, NBA Sirius XM Radio, they're all talking about Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana Pacers. But nobody really talks much more about the Pacers besides what Tyrese is doing. And you got to give Tyrese a lot of credit for that because, yeah, he's the all-star. He's the face of the franchise. He's the one that's really carried the Pacers to this point. But I think his ability to kind of handle the pressure of being in the limelight and not be phased is is huge. He's going to draw a lot more attention to him. We saw how the Lakers covered him in that championship game. As soon as he crossed half court, they were pressuring him. They were constantly hedging every screen that was set, trying to force a ball out of his hands. And they were like, we're not going to let you be a scorer. We're going to make you a facilitator. And with our length, it's going to make your passes more difficult to get off. And so when you do make those passes, we'll be able to recover or we're going to tempt the other guys to beat you. And it was just a combination of both. But I thought the way that Tyrese Halliburton was able to, to handle the pressure of being in the limelight was huge. You go to that Celtics game. That was the first TNT game that Tyrese Halliburton has ever had. 26 points, 13 assists, 10 rebounds on 55.6% shooting from the field, 45.5% shooting from three, and 100% shooting from the free throw line. He was a plus 15. Tyrese Halliburton put the Pacers on the map with that win over Boston in Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And like I said, the fans were huge. And every single podcast that was covering the in-season tournament run was talking about, man, Indiana was awesome. I wish I would have been in Indiana. That arena was rocking. It was awesome. It felt like a playoff environment. And the Pacers stepped up on their home court. They weren't on the road. But still, for Tyrese Halliburton to have that game with you know, elimination possibility on the line, you love to see it. And then you go and watch them play Milwaukee. And I felt pretty good about this because I knew Damian Lillard couldn't guard Tyrese Halliburton. I wasn't really afraid of Malik Beasley after we saw him struggle to guard Tyrese the first time they played. And then how slow-footed Brooke Lopez is in space, I thought, okay, we have a chance to win this game, especially if Tyrese is able to get going. And that's what he did. 27 points, 15 assists, seven rebounds, and zero turnovers. And I should have said that from the game against Celtics, zero turnovers there too, but he shot 57.9% from two, only 33.3% from three, but once again, 100% from the free throw line. So Tyrese Halliburton in that game against the Bucks really just put the Pacers <laughs> over the top with his incredible shot making and ability to kind of create that space had he needed. The three-point shot wasn't falling that well. Three of nine is what he shot. But he was able to get by those slow-footed, uh, the slow-footed Brook Lopez 
on those screens because he couldn't guard them. And I'm like, okay, this is just barbecue chicken. I <laughs> just keep doing it over and over again. And, and so it was really good to see. And I think that what we saw from both the Celtics and the Bucks was they were unwilling to kind of blitz Tyrese and kind of get out there and trap him and commit two guys to him the whole time. They did play a little zone in Milwaukee in that game. They tried to force a ball out of his hands, but in that zone, they left the middle wide open. And Andrew Nimhard was just cash money from there, hit 4-4. Four, four. Uh, Bruce Brown ended up getting, I think he was on two of three in that stretch when he shot shots from there. So the Pacers really attacked that zone very well. And I think that was all because of Tyrese Halliburton, but just being able to, you know, in Vegas, you're playing at five o'clock and you're trying to will your team to the championship game. And you're going up against the former MVP finals, MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You're going up against Dame time, Damian Lillard, a uh, really good bucks team on, on paper that that's been there and they've proven it before. Right. Well, Tyrese Halliburton said, it's not your time right now. It's my time. And I loved it. I thought he was just totally locked in and put the paces on his back. And, you know, that is what you wanted to see after that. He's in Vegas with his parents and they're on TNT talking about who raised, how he was raised and who taught him how to play basketball. I mean, it was just great to see everybody's talking to Tyrese, just wanted to get to know him more. And then you go and watch him play the Lakers. And we talked about this earlier how the Lakers were just trying to control Tyrese, right? How they were trying to make sure that the basically what the Lakers said is anybody but Tyrese is going to beat us tonight. And only seven points in the first half ended up finishing the game with 20 points, 11 assists. And it was not a great Tyrese Halliburton game. And this game will not technically count on his record um, statistic wise, just because this game was like an exhibition game that mattered for the championship, but didn't count on your regular season uh, standings record. So, it was one of those things where I'm sitting here watching Tyrese just kind of find ways to kind of carve the Lakers defense up a little bit. And that's what he did. He got to the basket time after time in that third quarter. I think he went four, four in the third quarter. He had a three in the fourth. That was big time. And you could kind of see that Tyrese was just trying to figure out how the Lakers were guarding him. But I, I realized in this game that Tyrese Halliburton is drawing so much attention to himself that he is going to continue to do this moving forward, especially when you get in these playoff type of games, right? I feel like the Lakers game was the most playoff intensity that it felt versus Boston Milwaukee. Like those games had some high level intensity to them, right? Especially the Boston one, just because of being at home, but like on the road against the Lakers, you could really feel how like that was like a tough road game for them because there's so many Lakers fans in Vegas. It was, it was like, they were like backs against the wall. Weren't supposed to be here. Should have, not been able to beat Philly, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Boston, but they were here, and they were here to beat LeBron James in the inaugural end-season tournament, and, and they couldn't do it. But I thought Tyrese Halliburton didn't fade away from, from the limelight. I, I think he kind of embraced it, and he wasn't one that didn't go on the court and kind of prove what his worth is. I mean, still in a game like that where it was really mucked up, it was really slow, and the referees called like 70, almost 70 fouls, I think, total. It was crazy. The Pacers were never to get into their pace and play their style that they want to play and push the ball up and down the court, but Tyrese was still able to find ways to impact the game. I mean, if you want to say a bad game from Tyrese Halliburton is 20 points, 11 assists, and three turnovers, you got to live with that. I mean, no, it's not like 30 points, like Anthony Davis was on fire, like 40 and 20, like with four blocks, like, my God, Anthony Davis was a monster. But like Tyrese Halliburton was just doing all that he could 
with what he had to work with. And so I think that that was just one of the biggest things there was to see him not be phased by the limelight. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Right, so that moves me into my final thing that I learned here from the Pacers and this team specifically. And it kind of goes back to that Lakers game. When Tyrese Halliburton was getting all this attention drawn to him, who was going to step up and be that number two guy, right? Was it going to be Buddy Hill? Was it going to be Miles Turner, Bruce Brown, Ben Matherin, Aaron Neesmith, TJ McConnell? Love all those guys. They all bring something different to this team. But maybe aside from Ben Matherin, the rest of them don't really have that it factor to be a number two guy on an NBA team. Ben Matherin, he's in year two. It's way too early to tell if he can be a number two or not. But I think we've seen enough from Miles Turner in his nine years, Bruce Brown in his six years, TJ McConnell in his nine years, Aaron Neesmith in his five years, Obi Toppin. You know, all these guys are really great complimentary players, really good role players, but they're not that number two, that number two guy. We, we talked about it for years when the Pacers had Paul George and everybody kind of left. You know, he's he's Batman, but who's gonna be Robin? Or does he need a does he need a Batman and is he a Robin? And we never really got to see that. The Pacers tried to bring in Monte Ellis, you know, Jeff T came in for a little bit, CJ Miles, you know, they drafted Miles at the end of Paul's run a little bit there, but they just never really had that second guy to go with them. And I think that the Pacers now have a little bit more pressure on them. I think Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, they're gonna have to go out there and see what stars are are available. We saw Woj talk about this a few different times on ESPN about how players are going to want to come play with Tyrese because of his ability to get them the ball and, and just play this style of play. It's really fun. You got a really good coach in Rick Carlisle, and they're going to win games. And so, yeah, there is that lure of like, okay, maybe Tyrese can make me better. We know that he probably will. Um, they got the cap space to go out there and get somebody. I think that this is a, a great opportunity for the Pacers to kind of take advantage of that extra cap space. They do have some expiring contracts. They've got some young guys that haven't really got a chance to prove themselves yet. Maybe they have to throw one of those in there to go out there and get that second guy, but they've got to find a, a legitimate number two. And we're going to, we're going to have a podcast later this week. Fachi and I will, where we, where we reveal a top five wish list of the number two guy that we'd like to see the Pacers go out there and target. But I will say this. I, I think they have to be a proven number two already. I, I think I don't think you can take a gamble on someone that's not really proven that yet, let alone someone that's more of a role player. Just kind of foreshadowing here. I don't want to give away too much for the previous or the upcoming podcast, but I think that the Pacers really need to find obviously better defense, 
but they have to find someone that can really be that second reliable score because if the Pacers don't have that, then they're going to be in trouble. And Tyrese Halliburton can't do it all by himself. They don't want to get stuck in this trap like they did with Paul George where they don't really legitimately bring in a number two guy. And then by the end of Tyrese's first max extension, he's pretty frustrated because we've been first round exits the entirety of his time here. He wants to be here and he's going to play a big part in recruiting guys here. So it is different. Times have totally changed. It's not the Larry Bird, Paul George, you know, I'm the president, you're the player. Let me handle that. You handle the playing thing. No, the Pacers front office has openly said, we want your opinion. He was part of Bruce Brown coming here. Obi Toppin's agency reached out to the Pacers to come and, and, and bring him to Indiana because he wanted to play with Tyrese. So there's a small sample size and, and, and really good role players that wanted to come here because of Tyrese. But now you have to see if Tyrese ascension into the stardom can get other stars to want to come play here in Indiana. And I know it's a small market, but I think at the end of the day, that kind of gets overblown quite a bit. Yeah, if it's a free agent, sure, they're probably going to leave for a sunnier place, sunnier destination or a bigger market destination where there might be a better opportunity to win. But I think if you can make the trade and kind of prove why the fit's good and why the, it makes sense to kind of sign long-term, you do it. So I'm excited to kind of see where the Pacers go from here, but I think that they realize that Tyrese Halliburton has pushed their timeline from maybe like we're in the middle of a rebuild to, you know, we're, we're competing again. So he has accelerated that timeline. He has proven once again how special he is. And I think it's only right that they go out there and try to find somebody. And, you know, the last draft, we, we haven't even seen Jairus Walker play meaningful minutes this year. Ben Shepard obviously hasn't really got a chance to play meaningful minutes. And it's tough because the Pacers are in this, this tough pickle of trying to win now and trying to develop, but they've kind of thrown development kind of to the side a little bit. They're really trying to win now and they're doing whatever they can. Like Ben Matherin back on the bench, that to me says we're winning now. It means that Ben Matherin, yeah, you are important to this team. You can do a lot of good things, but we're not worried about letting you fail right now with Tyrese Halliburton to see what works, what doesn't work. We're going to move you to the bench because we think that's what's best for this team moving forward and helps us have the best chance of winning. And so you kind of throw that out the window. I mean, even McConnell getting more minutes than Andrew Nimhard. Like TJ McConnell is on a team option after this year. Andrew Nimhard, he's got three more, or he's got two more years after this season on his contract. So what is more important? And I think it's a tough spot to be in because you are a, you are trying to build something here, but at the same time, you have something special. And it's not a it's not a tough spot because your best player is locked up for the next five years after this season. So it's exciting to be a Pacer fan. I would say, yeah, maybe the 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 hate you you hate losing obviously to the Lakers, and maybe that's kind of wore off a little bit now that about twenty four hours has passed. So you can start focusing on the future and looking at how this team can improve to get this roster better. But that's kind of what I like about this in season tournament. It allows you to see competitive basketball early on in the season. Cause a lot of times you see teams wait till about 25, 30 games into the year before they make that big trade or they start thinking about making a trade and blowing it up. But I think by having those meaningful games all through November, it kind of accelerates that too, a little bit to kind of see what you have and what you don't have. And maybe you're like, okay, maybe we thought this player would contribute more than they have and they have it. And do they really fit or are they just an okay fit? And are they worth the money that we're paying them? So there's a lot of things that can kind of, push this in one way or the other, but I think the paces are clearly 
ascending. They're clearly a team that nobody wants to see on any given night. They can beat any given team. They've got a star in Tyrese Halliburton, but they need to add some more talent to make this Pacers team um, a team that can get past the first round. Because I think if this is the current roster they have and they don't finish top four in the Eastern Conference, they're going to have a hard time winning a seven-game series. And as much as I love Tyrese Halliburton, I think it's just going to be more more challenging for him to have to carry this type of team. You're going to have big nights from guys that they're going to step up every once in a while, but you are going to have a hard time finding consistent numbers from these guys on a night-to-night basis. Just, just how we've seen things play out, it's always been kind of like, who is the second leading scorer next to Tyrese? And it's been different almost every game. So that's where you kind of have to find just that consistent number two and go from there. But with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Obviously a little bit different with me going solo. No Michael Focci. Um, He's been working like crazy, just coming on here with me to do these podcasts. So appreciate when he's able to make that time and uh, sacrifice. You know, he's got a, got a little baby, six-month-old baby. So has to be dad first, and I totally get that. So Focci and I will be back. We're going to have four or five more episodes the rest of this week, but definitely going to have recaps of the Pistons game. And then the next day we're going to be doing our five players that we want to see Pacers trade for for a number two option. Then we'll have your Bucks recap. And then we're going to dive into Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin on Friday's episode. So a fun week coming up, everybody. So hope you guys have a great Monday. And we will talk to you all tomorrow recapping that Pistons-Pacers game. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We going to need a mop. Smooth. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.